Hey, good morning, everybody. We uh, want to welcome you to uh, the service this morning, and uh, thank you for tuning in uh, to worship with us, whether you are watching this morning or maybe at a later time. Uh, just so glad that you would take the time out uh, to worship with us. And uh, uh, I'm going to be teaching today uh, as we've been going through the book of Colossians. I'm going to be continuing into that. In fact, if you've got a Bible and you want to go ahead and and uh, go to Colossians 3. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, one of the things we're talking about today is officiating. Uh, you know, uh, with sports, officiating is, is, a, huge, is a huge thing. Uh, and uh, I, I have a lot of friends uh, who are coaches. I help coach a little bit uh, of high school baseball here locally. Uh, myself, uh, very little bit, uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm more of a kind of a doing ministry with those guys and stuff. But I, I love it. I enjoy it uh, immensely. Uh, and uh, one of the things that uh, happens during a game sometimes is, is sometimes you get really good officiating. Sometimes you get bad officiating. And, and I think for the most part, uh, when you get a, get bad officiating, I, I don't think that it's meant to be that way, except just every once in a while. Uh, maybe maybe that uh, maybe that person that is making those calls uh, has gotten their feathers ruffled somehow. Uh, and it's starting to take it personally or whatever. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe they're having a bad day. I mean, that happens to everybody. Uh, and then things just can go south. And, I, and I, if you're like me, you've probably seen some of those. In fact, me even talking about it, you're probably thinking of a specific game that you watched on TV or that you were a part of or uh, something like that. I, I, know, I know that I'm thinking of certain, of certain ones right now. Um, and man, it just stinks, you know, when it, when it goes bad like that. Uh, um, you know, God uh, gives us the opportunity to allow him to officiate in us uh, in a way. And uh, Kent Hughes actually talks about this. This is totally, totally, totally uh, something that I read of his out of uh, his preaching the word commentary on Colossians. And, uh, you know, I, I was just uh, I was just kind of enamored with the thought and, you know, kind of run with it in my mind, I guess you could say. And uh, I'm going to share some things uh, out of that as we go through the, the passage today. But I, I hope that wherever you are in life right now, uh, whether you have trusted in Christ to be your Savior uh, and you have full assurance that uh, he is helping you day by day, making decisions and that kind of stuff, uh, that you've been saved. Uh, or if you are not a Christian and you're watching this and you're just you're in a bad place right now, I just want you to know that there's hope. There's a lot of hope, actually. Uh, and so I want to read through this passage today with you. Um, and I want to talk about some of these things. So let's let's just let's just jump in on this. Colossians chapter three, uh, verse 12. Uh, and it says this. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Now it gives a list here, so I don't want you to, uh, to lose the list here, but compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So right there, verse 12, this, this verse brings to us something that I think uh, is is a huge piece for us. Now, first of all, I think it's worth noting uh, that this is Paul continuing to uh, teach these people through a letter that he was sending back uh, to them at the church that they were a part of in Colossae. And he just 
been talking about uh, and has really kind of helping hammer home this idea that in Christ, our lives are completely changed. And, and we don't have to live, in fact, we, we're not supposed to live exactly the way we lived before, uh, that God has freed us from a lot of things. He's freed us from the mistakes of our past, from the sin and the struggles that we've had in our past uh, to give us new life, to make us new creations. And so he's just spent some time talking about that. And in fact, the passage before this, he's given us a bunch of warnings of things uh, to watch out for, uh, things that things that kind of slip in and get us. Uh, and, and one of the things we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, one of the things about sin is that it, it destroys, it hurts us, it it it, it wreaks havoc on our lives. And God doesn't want that for us. He cares for us. He loves us. And he's freed us from those things. And so in this section, Paul's moving on from that section to say, now there were some things that you should watch out for. Now here are some things that you should actively pursue. And he says, verse 12, very first two words, put on. Put on then. In fact, he says then, which is pointing back to the passage before again. We see that a lot with the therefores and you know all that kind of stuff. Uh, but he says, put on then as God's chosen ones. He's saying, put on then just as God's people, as he's chosen you to be a part of his people, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, we have five things there that we're called to put on. And when he's saying put on here, I mean, he's talking about putting these things on like you put on uh, an article of clothing. So, uh, and I, I started to, you know, think about, you know, five things I could put on for you while we're, you know, sitting here today. And I, I just honestly, it's a little tougher to do that kind of stuff with just trying to kind of sit still in front of the camera. It's eating me alive to not pace all over the Place. I know you guys know that already. Uh, but anyway, that's all good. I'm glad that we're able to do it this way and grateful for the folks that are helping us do it. Uh, right here, he says, put on compassionate hearts. Now, he, 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 he does a couple things to like remind us who we are. God's chosen once, holy and beloved. Holy and beloved. Now, if you're like me, I don't think of myself as being holy and beloved a whole lot you know, of days, you know, just, just being honest. Uh, you know, we think of when we when we think of ourselves, a lot of times we think of our flaws or, you know, whatever it is. And the truth is, is that in Christ, God has has done something in us. He's made us holy. When he sees us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And and, and that's an amazing thing, because the truth is, is we're, we still sin. We still fall into those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, one of the things that we are is that we are holy and we are beloved. We have been chosen to be in his family, okay? That's a huge piece there. And he says, you know, with all of that, put on being reminded that we are holy and beloved. By the way, beloved there being, I mean, just, I mean, what, what more could we want? You know, I mean, like what more could we want than to be uh, beloved by God? Um, and, and he says, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, these are five things, and, and also we don't have time to like dive just super deep into each one of these things. I would love to do that, but I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to spend some time on those five things. In fact, uh, you know, especially for for dudes, for guys, you know, we're like hearing that we're going. You want us to what? You want us to put on compassionate hearts? Yep, compassionate hearts. 
kindness, kindness, like, oh, okay, well, I got that. You know, humility, uh, okay, you know, that's not easy, but yes, you know, uh, meekness, um, mm, I don't know about meekness, you know, and, and I think here's, you know, uh, we see meekness, of course, patience, we've got that, we'll come back to meekness, patience, you know, uh, something that we all strive for, but struggle with, if you're like most of us. Uh, I think I think times like what's happening right now uh, in in our history, uh, I think is is an opportunity for God to chisel on us in some of these things, especially in things like patience, especially in things of just like slowing down, spending time with Him, remembering that we're called to be in relationship with God. Uh, to know him, to spend time with him, to talk with him, to pray, to be in his word. We'll get into all that here in just a minute. Um, come back to meekness. You know, meekness is one of those things that I think for a lot of guys, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, we, we hear that and we're like, okay, well, you know, I, that, that's not who I am. Well, let's just hold on that. Uh, before we real quick to say that's not who I am, I think for us to, to recognize that God is calling us to this that through his scripture, he's saying, these are things that we should put on. These are things that we should pursue in our lives. Uh, and and they, these are things that definitely affect people around us. Uh, and in fact, uh, he's not just saying, put these things on. Uh, Kent mentions in his commentary that I mentioned earlier, uh, that this put on is a present imperative. Um, and it literally means to not just put on, but to keep putting them on. So constantly coming back to putting on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I think that the thing that, that a lot of people struggle with, with with something like meekness, a lot of guys especially, uh, is, you know, we, we say, oh, well, you know, if you're a meek person, well, then you're a weak person. Um, and, and that's not true. That is not true at all. It uh, does not mean that you can't still be a strong person and not hold uh, a meek demeanor, I think is, 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 you know, I think, I think we have to see, you know, the difference in those things. In fact, uh, it reminds me of one of my, one of my favorite uh, rap songs of all time. Uh, and it's, uh, it's by a group called Cross Movement. Uh, and it's called Forever. And in the, in the middle, it's a Christian rap group. If you've never, you never heard of them. These guys are incredible. Uh, the album is Holy Culture. Uh, the song is forever, and uh, just a part of the song uh, says this. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit here. You know, just bear with me here. Of this song, to turn a whole generation 180. Oh, hear the whispers of the fat lady. The re- only reason she ain't singing right now is God's got his hand on the volume, baby. Real patient, ain't he? But don't take his kindness for weakness, because we're living in a time of divine sweetness. Because there will come a time. When he says enough meekness and a man will scatter to the hills like the horse running in the preakness, you know, and, and it's and it's this and it's this idea that, you know, things like kindness and meekness, you know, uh, you know, I really need like a track to do that, too, to be honest with you, but to do it right. But whatever. Uh, but the, this this thought of, you know, that that kindness and meekness shouldn't be taken for weakness. And I think that's important for us today, uh, as God's calling us to these things, uh, that we have a full understanding that this this is a part this is a part of our calling, uh, and it definitely affects in how He uses us for His kingdom. Now, we'll go back to that officiating thing. If 
we're officiating in our lives and making choices for how we're going to be. This is where we personally can get into good or bad officiating in our own lives. And I say that really mostly as, as, a, as a warning for us and as, a, as an encouragement to us that we have, we, have a, we have a part of this, okay? It's not just who we are, okay, that, you know, is just, well, I've just always been this way. No, God has given us the ability to overcome things in our life. And he's calling us to this. And he's not going to do that unless there is truly, truly, uh, a way in which he can lead us in this. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants to lead us through these things. So let's, let's keep going in this passage. It says, verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This is a big one. And I, I'll be honest, I have a conversation with somebody about this, about forgiveness, about forgiving others, uh, I, I feel like uh, once a week. Uh, it, it's just so common. And it's so common because we, as a people, struggle. We so very much struggle with forgiving people that have hurt us. Here's the, here's the catch. God has forgiven us, and yet we have done an incredible, incredible laundry list of things against him uh, over our lifetime. But he not only forgave us, he sent Jesus to die for us. Let's read that again, bearing with one another. So, uh, you know, coming off of these things that we should put on, the compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. And then it says, uh, Bearing with, one, uh, bearing with one another, and so then there's this other piece of like how we should handle people in life. Uh, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So there is this setup here that I hope you can see what Paul is doing. He's, he's laying a foundation, have compassionate hearts, be kind, show humility, show meekness, and be patient. Now, if nothing else, sometimes I think the thing that I'm not is patient. The thing that can anger me with somebody is when I'm not being patient with them, whether it be in traffic or whatever it may be, just being honest, think. There's some of you out there that could probably give the thumbs up right there uh, on that, and that's okay. Uh, the Lord is leading us through this, and he's and then he says, bearing with one another. You see what Paul's doing right there, right? Like you see that it's this it's this setup, this this foundation of like how we're going to handle people is based upon what we've put on that day. So what are you wearing? What are we putting on? On, on a day-to-day -day basis, are we putting on compassionate hearts? Are we putting on patience? Are we putting on kindness, humility, meekness? Because if we are, then when these crazy situations arise, and they're going to, because guess what? It's called life, and that's what happens in the real world as situations arise, and we need to be able to bear with people, and, and if for no other reason that they may see Christ in us. 
And in fact, that should be the main reason that we do it, is that they could see Christ in us. It's not about us being right. It's not about, it's not about us uh, getting our way. It's not, not even about justice. The Lord will have his justice with all of the people. We don't have to worry about that so much, okay? God is giving us an understanding right here that bearing with one another goes on and leads up to things such as forgiving one another. And he says, and if he has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how else better to say that than what the scripture says right there. We're called to forgive as we've been forgiven. Now, I, I know, I already know where this conversation goes because, again, I have it, uh, I feel like, you know, very often, uh, once a week, a couple times a month at least, I mean, you know, whatever it is. And, and it's just people just, you know, and, and they, they know. And I, here's, here's the great thing is when conviction is working in your heart, when you know it's wrong, you know you're struggling with it. When people talk to me about that, I love when people talk to me about that because it shows me uh, that they recognize something that's not good in their life. And God is working on them. The Holy Spirit's working on their heart and saying, you got to overcome this. And, and usually that's the conversation is I know I need to forgive. I know uh, that I, I need to do better about this or whatever it is. Uh, and here's the truth. We can't do it alone. We need the Lord to help us with this. I want to read something to you uh, that came out of that commentary that uh, just, I mean, just really touched me. Uh, I think part of the reason why it touched me uh, is because I got to meet this guy. I got to hear him speak uh, several times uh, at a conference that uh, I went to uh, many years ago in Austin, Texas. Um, and, and this guy's name is John Perkins. Um, and and you got to know who John Perkins is. If you don't know who John Perkins is, you can look him up and, and go uh, listen to him talk about anything, to be honest with you. But anything, especially kingdom-minded. I mean, this guy loves Jesus, uh, and he has been through, I mean, just amazing, amazing things, and many of them terrible things. Uh, I want to read something to you, and I want to preface it with saying this. Uh, that some of what I'm going to read to you is a little graphic uh, in something that he went through. I don't think it's inappropriate. I just want to give you a heads up. Maybe you're watching with your kids or whatever. Um, and, and, it, and it has to do with uh, some things that happened back during the civil rights movement uh, and just physical physical abuses is what it's in. But I, I just for you to, to get it, and he talks about this, and it's just it's, it's too good to not share it. It says this. It says, John Perkins tells how he was beaten in a Mississippi jail, being repeatedly kicked and stomped stomped on as he lay in a fetal position for protection. The beating went on and on, and he was in a pool of his own blood while inebriated officers took turns using their feet and blackjacks. At one point, an officer took an, an unloaded pistol put it to Perkins' head, and pulled the trigger. Then another man beat him until he was unconscious. As the night wore on, it got worse. During a conscious period, one officer pushed a fork down his throat. It was a barbarous torture, a great substantive reason to hate. But this is what happened as John Perkins tells it. Now I want to read to you his account of him looking back on this. He says, 
the Spirit of God worked on me as I lay in that bed. An image formed in my mind, the image of the cross, Christ on the cross, it blotted out everything else in my mind. This Jesus knew what I had suffered. He understood and he cared because he had experienced it all himself. This Jesus, this one who had brought good news directly from God in heaven, had lived what he preached, yet he was arrested and falsely accused like me. He went through an unjust trial. He also faced a lynch mob and got beaten. But even before that, he was nailed to rough wooden planks and killed, killed like a common criminal. At the crucial moment, it seemed to Jesus that even God himself had deserted him. The suffering was so great. He cried out in agony. He was dying. But when he looked at that mob who had lynched him, he didn't hate them. He loved them. He forgave them. And he prayed God to forgive them. Father, forgive these people, for they do not know what they are doing. His enemies hated, but Jesus forgave. I couldn't get away from that. It's a profound, mysterious truth. Jesus' concept of love overpowering hate. I may not see its victory in my lifetime, but I know it's true. I know it's true because it, it happened to me. On that bed full of bruises and stitches, God made it true in me. He washed my hatred away and replaced it with a love for the white man in rural Mississippi. I felt strong again, stronger than ever. What doesn't destroy me makes me stronger. I know it's true because it happened to me. That's a powerful testimony of how God can absolutely help us to forgive others, not because they deserve it. We don't deserve it, but he forgives us. But we need him. We need him to help us do those things. Now, here's, here's one of the issues with that. I think for so many people, they say, well, God's not helping me do this or do that. But, but the, the question that I want to ask is if that's the case, that you're struggling through something right now, are you really spending time pursuing Jesus? Are you really allowing him to permeate your heart by being with him, seeking him, praying, being in his word? We'll speak to that here in just a minute. Because if not, then we're just, we're crying empty cries. Oh, someone is not helping me, but we're not really looking for the help. We're not seeking the wisdom that we need in moments like that. We just, want, we just want God to make things go away. But that's not the way life works. Life doesn't work in God just making all the bad things go away. He oftentimes wants us to go through those things, but he wants us to see that we need to lean in on him for his guidance, for his wisdom, for his officiate to lead us through those things. This is hard for a lot of us. And 
I don't think that any of us doubts why these things might be hard for us as people are sometimes so, so very hurt by other people in this world. It's no wonder that we struggle to forgive, but it is important for us to see that God's not just calling us to forgive for the sake of just trying to fix the situation. He's calling us to forgive because it is what is good for us, that for us to let go of that anger, for us to let go of that hatred, for us to know and put things in his hands and say, the Lord, Lord, it is in your hands. Uh, and I don't, I don't have to come up with the justice. I don't have to deal with this. Uh, Lord, it's all on you. Uh, it, it's an amazing thing. And, and I'll just say this. Maybe, maybe there's someone right now as you're listening or watching this, watching this. Maybe there's someone right now that you need to forgive. Maybe you need to tell them that you forgive them, that they have, you know, and, and, and they, may, they may not be looking for forgiveness. They may not even care. But let me tell you something. There is something amazingly powerful in the process of forgiveness that allows us to say, I want you to know that I forgive you for the things that you did to me. And truly, I want you to know that I care about you, whatever it may be. I'm praying for you, however that, however that conversation may go between you and that person. But I want you to know that I forgive you. Now, they may not be looking for that forgiveness. But when you do that, you are taking away any control that they ever had over you. And that's a powerful thing. For them to see that, that you rest in what God has done, what Christ has done for us in that forgiveness, that we rest in that, and that has power over the pain that they have put us through. I mean, write books about this. You know, I mean, there's there's so much to this, okay? So much to this. I want to go on here. Verse 14, it says, And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Uh, I, think that, I think that it's important here for us to see that this is tying these things together. Love binds these things together. Uh, and, and if we're still going with the whole putting on the garment uh, thing, and he is still doing that here in verse 14. What's it say? And above all these, put on love. So we've already had compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, uh, forgiveness, okay? Bearing with one another and then forgiving one another. And, and then seeing that love binds them together like a belt that's holding them together, okay? So all these garments being held together by this belt of love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I mean, those are big words. Perfect harmony in scripture. Like we're getting this instruction of something that's perfect. I mean, this is a, this is a huge deal. This is God giving us this thing on a platter and saying, look, you're free from your sin. You're free from the things that people have done to you. You're free from the things that's gonna, that are going to happen to you tomorrow, the, the person that's going to agitate you or whatever. Guess what? If you will put on these things, they are bound together by God's love. And it is that love that is changing and it has power and it will help you get through these things. But not only that, it will glorify him because there's moments in our life when, yes, people are expecting us to act out. 
They're expecting us to act out in the opposite of these ways that we're being called to right here. And when we don't, it's an opportunity for them to get to see Jesus in us. We don't want to fake our way through that. We want that to be real. That means putting these things on. God's love changes everything. It levels the playing field of all things. It binds everything together in perfect harmony, it says. Verse 14. Why do we need these things bound? Why do we need these things bound? I I think bigger picture here, we'll see see him get into this here in just a second, is, is that part of this is for us to be the church. For us to be the church. Look at, look at these things. What, what, what's he, what's he calls to? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, uh, forgiveness, uh, love. What, who, what do we need those things for? We need those things for one another. We need those things for one another, which is all this pointing directly to this understanding that we are not called to do life alone. We are absolutely not called to do life alone. We're called to do it together. We're called to do it together. And it is through, it is through the rocky patches. It's through the hilly moments. It's through the, you know, the mud that we get in sometimes with one another, where it's like, oh, that person's made me mad, or that person said this, that person did that. Guess what? No surprise, right? And right here, God has woven together for us this incredible passage of Scripture to help us to see how to navigate these things. That we would do these things for one another. It's absolutely amazing. I'll read that again. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 15. And let... The peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Well, there it is. There it is. You see it? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This is, this is a key for us that we should take and put on our keychain every day. To which indeed you were called in what? One body. One body, the body of Christ. He's not talking about, he's not talking about my physical body. He's not talking about your physical body. He's talking about the body of believers. That we're called into this as a part of the body of believers. So if you didn't buy what I was selling a minute ago about the whole this is having to do with being the church and doing this for one another, you gotta see it right there. Because he says, to which indeed you were called in one body and to be thankful. And he throws that on there. Paul throws that on there. I love how he throws that on there. And to be thankful. Uh, you know, like, you know, oh yeah, well, you guys should be faith, you know, should be thankful too. And what he's saying there, he's not saying, you be thankful. It's not like us telling our kids or something, you should be grateful for the things that I've done for you. And here's this fantastic food that you hate or, you know, whatever it is, you know, kind of thing. No, this is Paul saying like, don't miss how unbelievable this is that God has done for us. Be thankful. Like this is an amazing thing in which Christ, that we can let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. 
right there, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Now, F.F. Bruce, who is a biblical scholar, um, talked about this, and this is this was that piece that I, I alluded to earlier uh, that I picked up from Kent Hughes's uh, commentary. He says uh, about this passage, he refers to it as uh, this rule here: uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That this ruling here is this arbitrating. Okay, and and in other words, he actually this is a quote uh, from Bruce right here. He says this. He says that he sees it like this: Let the peace of Christ be umpire in your heart amidst the conflicts of life. Let's say that again: Let the peace of Christ be umpire in your heart amidst the conflicts of life. You see, life is not about us not having conflicts. We're going to have them. The question is, what do we do with them? What's, what do we allow our hearts to do with them? Like how, you know, we can, we can walk into situations and, uh, you know, want to uh, be angry and mad. And when we do, uh, that those, we, what, what do we do? We just agitate those situations when that's how we react and that's what we bring to the table versus if we bring these things that we're called to, the compassionate hearts, the kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, this love of God that which we can put on that binds everything together in perfect harmony. When we do that, we oftentimes, or really all the time, can diffuse those situations. Now, you may say, well, Chris, I'm not able to diffuse a situation where somebody's just standing there yelling or screaming at me or whatever it may be, and I get that, but still what's happening in your heart, you can. You can in your heart. And that's important for us to see today. These are choices. These are decisions in which we let God lead us. Again, Paul's giving this foundation compassionate hearts, humility, meekness, forgiveness, patience, kindness. All these things Paul is giving us surrounded in God's love so that when these moments happen, that the peace of Christ could be the umpire of our heart amidst the conflicts of life. That's a fantastic quote, I think. And it, and it leads us to an understanding of this officiating that is going on all the time in our hearts. And what's that officiating really, really looking like? Is it looking like, a, is it looking like the bad game that we were a part of all those years ago and we still can't, we still can't get out of our mind how you know, we shouldn't have lost that game because of the bad officiating we did? We don't want to go through life doing that. We don't want to go through life looking back on bad decisions that we made or how we reacted in circumstances in ways that we shouldn't have because we were a part of bad officiating. Let the peace of Christ be umpire in your heart and be thankful. Paul's saying be thankful that he can. Be thankful he can be the umpire of your heart. 
be thankful that Christ does lead us. He doesn't just set us out there and just, there you go, good luck. No, he says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So good. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So here verse 16 brings up what I just mentioned a minute ago about, you know, so many of us say that we want, you know, God to do something with this situation that we're in right now. Well, you know what? Oftentimes it's that God wants to do something in the situation, but he's not looking to take away the situation. He's looking to do something in us, to change us, to mold us, to shape us. Why? Why would he care about doing that? Because that is part of the process of sanctification in our life where he is continually molding and shaping us into being more like him, but in also to being who he's called us to be. He's the great, the great worker. He, he takes us, he shapes us like the potter and the clay. I want to read verse 17 and we'll come back to a little bit of that. It says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So here we got, I think now the third time, I actually didn't count it before uh, I was studying through this before, uh, but I think we've got easily the third time now in which Paul over and over, uh, he says between verses 15 and 17, in some way of being thankful. He tells us to uh, be thankful uh, in verse 15. He tells us with thankfulness, uh, sing these songs and psalms and uh, spiritual songs, hymns, and all this stuff. Um, be, uh, sing these things with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And here he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. <sighs> Why is that so important for us today? It's so important for us today because so oftentimes, we forget where it all came from to begin with. And we need to be centered on remembering that God is the one that's provided. God is the one that is taking care of us. God is the one that's carrying us through these things. Be thankful. Give thanks. Sing these things. You know, and, and, and it's much like prayer, you know, oftentimes the purpose of us singing isn't because God needs us to sing to him. It's because we need to sing to him. Praise God that we can. Praise God that we do. Even in the midst of moments like this. Back to verse 16. In let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That comes from spending time with the Lord and literally spending time in his word. And, and I think that's so important for us today. And we're missing oftentimes the chiseling that God needs to do in our hearts. Now, I'll be the first to say, I'm not like, uh, and it's not because maybe I couldn't figure it out. I've just never really desired it so much. I, I do enjoy watching other people that are good at it do it, but I'm not like a great woodworker, 
Okay. You know, I, I've never, I don't know. I've just, I've always liked metals, uh, metal, metal music, whatever. No, I'm talking about like, you know, substances. Uh, but I've always liked working with, you know, things that you can pound out and beat on or weld on and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I've always, I've always been fascinated with people that are great with wood and, uh, you know, especially doing great finish work. We've got guys in our church that do that. Uh, and I, I just look at that because I've seen you know, what normal people, you know, do with that stuff. And then I see like the precision in which they do it. And I'm just, I'm honestly in awe a lot of times of that kind of work. Uh, one of the people that uh, I've, I've watched uh, grow, especially in doing this, uh, is one of the guys that is on the baseball team in which I help coach. Uh, his name is Kenny Harris. And Kenny is, uh, I think he's currently 16 years old. Uh, and many years ago, he uh, got uh, a lathe from his grandfather, a wood lathe. And uh, they were messing around one day and he decided, I think I've got this right, they decided to make a, a little a little baseball bat. Uh, and then that turned into Kenny wanting to make big baseball bats, regular size baseball bats. And so out of that, Kenny has been making baseball bats now for years. And he has a little thing uh, called Bigfoot Bats. You can check them out uh, on Facebook or whatever, a little free advertisement for Kenny there. Uh, but uh, the reason I bring it up is is the workmanship is just incredible. And anything that's like great workmanship, you know, is, is one of those things, you know, how much can you appreciate it? Well, I saw that he was doing this and, and I kept thinking to myself, I want a bat, but I don't know, I don't know how I want him to do it yet. And I kept thinking about, kept thinking about it. And I love baseball history and uh, a lot of baseball stuff today in the message, by the way, which I'm okay with. I hope you are too. Uh, but uh, I, I love baseball history. And one of the things about baseball history that uh, got me going as a kid, and uh, Joey can attest to this too because we were kids together and watching these movies, uh, were the movies like Eight Men Out, Field of Dreams, and and learning more of the history of uh, the scandal from 1919 uh, with what what's known as the Chicago Black Sox, the Chicago White Sox, uh, where apparently they got, you know, paid off to throw the World Series or whatever. Uh, but uh, you look back at history and you look into some of those things and the guy, the main guy, the main player of that uh, at that time in that series uh, who played for Chicago was, was Joe Jackson. And everybody knows him as Shoeless Joe Jackson. Won't get into the stories of all that. But uh, when we were growing up, we remember seeing uh, someone who had uh, this bat that was like Shoeless Joe's beloved bat. Uh, and that bat is uh, called Black Betsy. Um, and, uh, you know, like anything, you know, uh, related to someone in history and, you know, especially in sports, that kind of thing, uh, there's a lot of value given to things like that. Uh, and and uh, I, I, I just, I always just thought, man, it'd be cool just to even get to see that bat. Well, then I got thinking about Kenny making these bats and I decided I would try to get him to make me a copy of Black Betsy. And so uh, years ago, uh, well, a couple years ago now, I guess, uh, I got him to make me a bat. This is this is my version. Uh, thank you to Kenny. Um, and I think I think maybe his family helped him a little bit even on this, because what, one of the things I didn't know about Black Betsy was uh, that uh, and, and a lot of bats were done this way back then. Ty Cobb did this as well. Uh, but they would they would stain and, and, and constantly rub them with tobacco juice. Well, where do you think tobacco juice came from? It didn't just come from, you know, let's throw some tobacco in the water, uh, you know. And uh, when I asked for this bat to be made, I didn't realize that about Black Betsy. But they 
came up with tobacco juice. I don't think they came up with it the same way Shoeless Joe probably did, and that's okay. Uh, but they came up with tobacco juice and actually stained to help harden and to help hold out any moisture uh, the, the staining of this bat to help protect it. to and, that, and that's what those players would do to make them harder or whatever. And so this is my Black Betsy. The actual Black Betsy uh, sold uh, here a few years ago for, I think, $583,000. I think it's the second highest baseball bat to sell of all time, only behind uh, one of Babe Ruth's bats. The reason I tell you all that and show you this bat, which is amazing. It's an amazing bat. Uh, is I just I appreciate the craftsmanship. I appreciate I appreciate what they did and how they made that, and uh, in, in the willingness to get tobacco juice and stain this thing and, and all of these things. I mean, this thing's like a this thing's like a fine piece of furniture, right? It's workmanship, and it reminds me of what God wants to do with us. In fact, I want to read this passage to you: Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. It says, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, there's a lot of things that are going to happen in life that we may feel like we just want out of. But the truth is, is that in the midst of those things, he oftentimes is making something amazing with us through those hard moments. But he's given us these promises that we can lean in on him. We can come to him and and we, Christ will dwell in us. The word of Christ will dwell in us richly, verse 16, And in that, we can teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And the outcoming of that is our thankfulness in song. God may be working on you right now. I think he's working on all of us right now. Uh, I said this like a week ago, and then I saw one of the pastors that I I dearly appreciate uh, make a video, basically very much like it. I hear just the last uh, week or so. Uh, that's kind of going viral, and I may share it later, Francis Chan. Uh, but I, I said about a week ago uh, to someone, they said, "What do you think's going on here?" And uh, and I and I think and I think that they were they were more talking about the actual virus and you know all that stuff. And, and there's a lot of you know what what I might think or what you might think, and I don't know that any of that really matters. Here's what I think matters: I think what matters is that God's got a plan. And I think that God's working out this plan the way he wants to work it out. And I think part of it, and this is what I told them, I think part of that plan is that he wanted us to stop. He wanted us just to sit down for a minute. Remember who our families are. Remember who he is. And maybe the greatest question that can come out of this right now is, are you getting to to do this? Are you getting to allow Christ to dwell in you richly through his word, to change you, to mold you, to shape you into this great workmanship that he has for us. And at the end of the day, for us to recognize that, that, that he wants to do all those things and he wants to not just dwell, not just his word dwell in us for the sake of wisdom, 
but that the Holy Spirit would lead and work in us as the peace of Christ would rule and umpire in our hearts day to day, even coming out of this, that we would be even greater assets for the kingdom of God. Man, let's don't waste this time. Let's seek the Lord for what he has for us. Let's let him be the umpire of our heart today and in the days to come. And let's recognize these moments that come at us as just these moments in which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them, knowing that out of that, we will be his workmanship. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm here to tell you that he created you with a purpose, and he loves you, and he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And you can receive his grace and his forgiveness as much as any other person on this planet. I don't care how bad the stuff is you've got in your past. God wants to work and do a work in your life and use you for his kingdom. He's, he, he made you for a reason. He's keeping you here for a reason. He's allowing you to go through things for a reason. Today, if God is speaking to your heart to trust in him, I urge you. I urge you to listen to that. And also, I'll even make mention of this, that if you want to speak with somebody or pray with somebody, you can you can message through the Instant Messenger on our Facebook, on the 24 Church Facebook, and you can do that through the 24 Church Facebook page, or you can do that through the at the bottom of the 24 Church website. Even uh, we've got pastors that would be glad to respond to you uh, right now. Uh, if you want to message and just say, hey, I need help with this. I want to trust in Christ. I think God's working on my heart, uh, whatever it may be. Don't, don't, don't run from that. Listen to what the Lord's doing. Listen to what he's saying in your heart. Last weekend, we had one of the kids in our church receive Christ as their, as their Savior. How amazing is that? In the midst of all this, not getting to be together, God is still at work. And in fact, I'm, I'm pretty convinced at this point that God is doing everything and allowing the things to happen right now. He's allowing for us to stop and remember who he is. Who he is, who is he to you? I hope he's the umpire of your heart. Let's pray. God, we need your leading. We need your guidance. God, we know we can't just get that from just watching a service every once in a while. God, help us to seek you. God, you you never stop seeking us. God, I, I pray that we would see that, know that, trust in that today. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would in turn also seek you, seek your wisdom. Lord, seek your calling on our life. Lord, seek your leading. God, Lord, we do pray that you would officiate all of these things that come at us in our lives. God, help us to be people who put on, clothe ourselves with these things, Lord, that we need, Lord, these things like kindness and humility, compassionate hearts. God, help us. Help us to forgive as you have forgiven us. God, do this for your glory. God, I pray that you would, Lord, speak to the heart of anyone that's listening, watching right now, Lord, that hasn't trusted in you to be their Savior. God, I pray that you would save them today. Give them new new life today. God, help them to overcome sin today. 
God, thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask all this in his name. Amen.